A couple things before we dive into the message this morning. First, something very important. Like many of you, I was very disappointed in the Canadian junior team losing in the gold medal game recently. But knowing that I would soon see the Oilers made a difference for me. It helped me, as I'm sure it did for Pastor Joel and Jason and Anora. And if you don't know, those are three of the Flames fans in our church family. Someone from our church family recently sent me a meme and it was a picture of a fireplace going and uh, it read this, I'm so desperate for hockey, I turned on the fireplace just so I could boo the flames. Come on, Jason, that's, that's funny. Anyway, moving on. Uh, parents of elementary students, our elementary ministry recently launched their very first ever kids small group opportunity via Google Meet. And your kids can connect, go to, again, eaglemont.info and click on the kids button. Even after Sunday in-person um, elementary programming begins, your child can still connect uh, on into the future this way because these small groups, um, they go into the early afternoon on Sundays. And I, I just wanna commend Pastor Crystal and Dom uh, for their hard work to provide this opportunity and encourage you to take full advantage of this for your children. Also, I'm excited to announce that uh, two weeks from today, uh, our in-person gatherings begin uh, January 31st. Uh, you can go to eaglemont.church to pre-register, but not until the Wednesday prior to that Sunday. So just uh, wanted you to have that on your radar. Last Sunday, we began our One Kingdom Disciple message series, looking at how Jesus defines uh, what a disciple is. We were reminded that the call of Jesus is for us to be followers and not merely fans of Jesus. Today's message, deny yourself, surrender. Think about Jesus in the New Testament calling his first disciples who were to become the, the, the pattern or the template for all of us who commit to follow Jesus. The first disciples didn't really know much, uh, if anything at all, about this Jesus, but there's, there's, there was something about him that caused them to respond with a solid yes and begin the adventure of following him when he called them and, and following him closely and learning to walk in his steps and learning to prioritize every part of their lives uh, the way he instructed them to and the way he modeled for them. Just revolutionary stuff. And Jesus speaks very honestly to anyone who says they want to follow him and his words have uh, have caused some to be drawn toward him in full surrender. And these same words have caused many others, sadly, to, to be repelled and reject his offer. They're descriptive words of what it means to be an apprentice of the master, found in the disciple Matthew's eyewitness account of Jesus' life, Matthew 16, 24 to 26. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Now, there's some overlap between denying yourself and picking up your cross that we read there as well. But there are some 
distinctions as well. And so two weeks from today, Pastor Jaden will talk about the pick up your cross statement. Deny yourself. Deny, deny myself? I mean, to, to many in our culture, that just sounds wrong. Imagine a company that uh, produces commercials, trying to, TV commercials, trying to package this invitation of Jesus for the masses. You know, what, 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 what would they say? Uh, lose it all. Imagine the possibilities. <laughs> um, lay your life down so you can truly live. People would be saying, what? It, it, it wouldn't make sense to many people. It doesn't make sense to a lot of people. But that's because they don't realize that what's actually true in God's economy is that denying ourselves and following him is where fulfillment and contentment and joy are found. And, and contentment and joy are not to be uh, equated with uh, an easy or a trouble-free life. Jesus didn't actually promise that. He just, he just promises his, his love, his wisdom, his guidance, his strength, his comfort, his peace in the journey as we release our life to his wise and loving leadership, not to mention eternity with him in heaven. Jesus said it another way in John 12, 25, anyone who loves their life um, will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And what? Hate? What? Anyone who hates their life? Well, as I mentioned last Sunday, if you were, were uh, on with us then, this is where the understanding of the original Greek language comes into play. Vine's new, um, Dictionary of New Testament Greek Words points out that this here is, is more of, uh, the, the, in terms of the word hate, uh, hating our life in this world, uh, is, is more of a disregard for one's life relative to Christ and his claims uh, on our life. It's intended to express a, a huge uh, preference over and not, not hate as we uh, typically think of that word in our English language. Denying ourselves is also about rejecting the natural human inclination toward selfishness of any kind. It's, it's choosing to lay down my desires, my will, my rights, uh, my reputation, and surrender to Jesus' desires and plans and will daily for my life, which, which is the very best, actually, because he knows me best and loves me most, and you as well. So, three simple outcomes of self-denial that I want to highlight. First of all, denying myself helps me love others. In John 13, Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, love each other as I have loved you. Wow, that's big. An important part of the equation for me loving others that way is denying myself. Now, don't misunderstand what's being said. It doesn't mean that we don't take care of ourselves in terms of our, you know, our own uh, physical needs or, or uh, take care of our, our health emotionally or spiritually. Uh, of course not. Those areas of our life need to be cared for if, we, if we're going to be able to love others well. Jesus is talking about, rather, an, an attitude of self-absorption, a, a life that has itself as its primary and maybe only focus 
of attention. And certainly our sin nature that we all have, the Bible says, causes every one of us to slide that direction of self-absorption. And so self-denial needs to be an ongoing decision and action, actually, in following Christ. So, so what does that look like? Denying ourself. You can think of examples, I'm sure, as you put the interests of your spouse or a friend uh, or, or your parent, child, ahead of your own. What does it look like? Here, here's a little example. Jim Collins, author of Good to Great, uh, heard him speak one time and he quoted a mentor of his when he was younger who looked at him and said this, Jim, you seem to be, uh, you seem to spend a lot of time trying to be interesting. Why don't you turn your focus more toward being interested? That's a, that's a great, that's a great statement. And so denying self can be as basic as in conversation with other people, as, as trying to think of good questions to ask in order to show interest in someone else's life as opposed to filling the whole conversation with, you know, our thoughts, our ideas, our experiences, which can so often happen in our conversations. Simple little example. In his book, uh, The Divine Commodity, Sky Jathani tells the story that illustrates a loving act that would have definitely required self-denial. Over, uh, over a decade ago, Pastor Ghassan Thomas was leading one of the few public churches that emerged in Baghdad after Saddam Hussein was, uh, was overthrown. And his congregation put a sign on their building that read, Jesus is the light of the world. But the church was raided by bandits who left behind a threat on a big piece of cardboard which read, Jesus is not the light of the world. Allah is the light of the world and you have been warned. The note was signed, the Islamic Shiite party. What does a Christian pastor do in a case like that? What does, what does Jesus command to love your enemies look like here? What does self-denial look like here? Well, Pastor Thomas loaded up a, a van with children's gifts and medical supplies, which were in critically short supply at that time. And he drove to the headquarters of the Islamic Shiite party. And after presenting the gifts and supplies to the Islamic leader, Pastor Thomas turned to that leader and said, Christians have love for you because our God is a God of love. And then he asked permission to read from the Bible. And when that was granted, he turned to John 8 and read about how Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then he showed the Shiite leader the threatening cardboard note that had been left at his church. And the Muslim leaders that day, uh, already impacted by Pastor Thomas's uh, loving actions, you know, they, they apologized. And, and the, the, as, as a matter of fact, that main Islamic leader later attended Pastor Thomas's ordination service at the church. It's amazing. And, and many of you know this. Loving actions done in Jesus' name have the power to change hearts. In his book, Unlikely, Unlikely uh, Kevin Palau says, God's kingdom must be established in our lives for it to be increasingly established in our world. He says, God's will, put very simply, is that we love God and love people. And he writes, he says, we love them so much that we want them to know their loving creator. And all of that begins with learning 
to deny ourselves, to do things we maybe don't want to do, to say things we may not really want to say, but we know the Holy Spirit wants us to in our interaction with people, in showing and sharing his love, denying ourselves. And, and placing the focus of our life in a secondary spot so that the needs of others can be met through our lives. Denying myself helps me love others. It also helps, denying myself will influence how I view and use money in, in terms of uh, my, my giving and saving and spending habits. Jesus said, life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. In our culture, it's much different than that, isn't it? A book I had one of our short-term missions teams read a few years ago is Don't Waste Your Life. And in it, Pastor John Piper writes, The issue of money is not a side issue in the Bible. The credibility of Christ in the world hangs on it. And then he goes on to quote Randy Elkhorn from his great little book, The Treasure Principle, and notes this, 15%, of the words of Jesus in the Bible relate to this topic, uh, money and possessions, more, he says, than his teachings on heaven and hell combined. I mean, that's, that's worth giving some serious thought to. So how do I use and view money in a way that honors Christ? Part of it starts, I believe, with learning how to deny myself, especially in the culture in which we live. There's, there's no doubt that self-denial constantly clashes with the materialistic and consumeristic culture that we live in. The battle is between, in, in our hearts, you probably know this as I do at times, between contentment and wanting more. Contentment that Jesus wants for us and wanting more. Paul wrote uh, to, to his young apprentice in 1 Timothy 6, Having food, he just said in this whole context of, of about money there in uh, 1 Timothy 6, and uh, he, he starts to talk about contentment. He just says, having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Wow. For most of us, that's, that's a heart destination that, that we need to pray into and pray toward because contentment can be tough in a culture where we're constantly bombarded by flashy ads that, you know, try to convince us why we need the upgraded version of pretty much everything we own. But denying myself makes me so much richer because it allows my heart to grow toward being free from greed and discontentment. Denying myself will diminish the sense of entitlement that, that leads to getting into debt in order to possess more and better stuff. Denying myself will open up exciting and life-changing opportunities for me to experience the generosity of Jesus in giving to his work through his church. It will allow me to, self-denial will, will allow me to experience what God led Paul to write in 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but whoever sows generously will reap generously. Again, I quote, as I did last week, uh, Kyle Eidelman's book, Not a Fan. In there, he tells the story of Millard Fuller, who became a millionaire by the age of 29. And he had bought his wife, uh, Linda, everything she ever wanted, but one day she up and left him. 
And he went after her and, and, and on that night they, they talked till the wee hours of the morning in the New York hotel room that she had escaped to. And in that conversation, one of the things she said was that she's just, she just felt so cold, she felt so empty, even though she had everything that society told her should make her happy. You see, God had been working and was working in both of their hearts at that time. And, and that early that morning, they ended up kneeling beside the bed in that hotel room and they made a commitment. And they made the commitment right there to sell everything and de dedicate themselves to serving the poor. The next day, they found a church nearby as, as part of their steps in, in, in the new beginning of what life was to be. And they, they shared that morning with the pastor about what had happened and about the commitment that they made. And ironically, that pastor expressed that such a radical step wasn't necessary is what he said. But Millard insightfully said, that pastor told us that it was not necessary to give up everything. He just didn't understand that we weren't giving up money and the things that money could buy. We were giving up, period. That's another way of saying we're stepping into a life of denying ourselves. We're surrendering everything about our, our hearts, our lives, our future to Jesus Christ and finances. You've probably heard of the great organization Habitat for Humanity, started by Millard and Linda Fuller. So denying myself helps me love, helps me love others, will influence how I view and use money. And lastly, denying myself is foundational to resisting temptation. Now, some of you may struggle with the, the idea or, or believing that there's a real Satan who tempts people towards sin and self-indulgence. Well, he's not the caricature that you've probably seen, you know, a creepy little guy in a, a red suit with horns and a pitchfork. I'm not sure where that came from, but no, the, but he's a real entity, formerly an angel in heaven. The Bible says in the story you can read in an Old Testament book called Isaiah, chapter, chapter 12. The Bible speaks of him and his destructive, it might be Isaiah 14, but you can check and let me know. But the Bible speaks of him, uh, Satan, and his destructive aims and activity very, very clearly. And, and quite often, as a matter of fact, in order to make Christ's followers aware of his intentions, which are to pull you away from God and to pull you away from God's best desires for you in any way he can. He's up to that. And temptations are his primary way, among many other tools in his kit. Temptations are abundant because, because of Satan's efforts to, to dull our heart and to diminish our, our love and allegiance to God. And in our culture, one of the most prevalent is pornography. In a Gospel Believers post I saw recently, John Piper speaks on this subject of pornography to a group of, uh, of, of teenage boys and girls. And he stressed this. He said, this is not just a male issue, problem. He, he spoke to those teens and said this, for love's sake, say no to pornography. For the love of your, of your future spouse, say no to pornography. Oh, of course, if you're married, for the love of your spouse. But he was speaking to those students so powerfully. And he went on to refer to the massive harm uh, that pornography does 
uh, and causes in marriages. He added this. He said, the kids, speaking to those students, he said, the solution is not duty. He said, duty fails eventually. What will succeed over time is saying, I am going to fight for a superior pleasure that severs the root of the lie that comes to me out of the computer screen that says, I will be happier. I will experience more pleasure if I go there with this mouse than if I don't go there. That's the lie. The superior pleasure that Piper referred to is what God designed for sexual intimacy and fulfillment in the context of a committed marriage between a man and a woman. Piper's message was to fight for the honor and the pleasure of that. And that's a great and important message. And denying self will help bring our passions into submission to God so that we don't give in to sin that destroys us from the inside out. Bottom line is that this is a daily choice that we need to make and it requires, uh, certainly requires a dependence upon the power of the Holy Spirit that he will give us if we ask him. Paul spoke about this in Romans 6, 11 to 13. I'm referring to numbers of passages and I encourage you, you, you should write down this reference and, and maybe get the other ones as well. But Romans 6 is, is, is key, uh, verses 11 to 13. And read this passage, reread this passage as you face temptation in your life. It says, so you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. And then the same author, Paul, writes to a church in a region of Galatia, Galatians 2.20. He says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. See, it's a symbolic crucifixion, but it's very real and powerful. He says, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When we think about Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, it can help us face temptation. There's also a picture here of us, just, it's, it's identifying with Christ in his death and, and thus dying to our sinful nature and what it wants. So we consider ourselves dead to sin, as the scripture says. In other words, non-responsive, non-responsive. Does that mean we're never gonna fail? No, but that becomes our habit, non-responsive to temptation instead of giving in. That so often is the habit of, uh, of many. Non-responsive to temptation. And, and again, we can't fight this on our own. We must constantly ask the Holy Spirit to help us in the battle. And if you look back, my Christian friend, and you, you, you say, well, I, I've made such little, so little progress in the last whatever period of time. Okay, that's, that's the past. That's the past. Why, why would we let the past determine our future? Stop that. <laughs> Don't look back. Look ahead. Begin to, begin to read God's word on this topic. Begin to pray daily for God's strength. Uh, find a Christian 
uh, a Christ follower that you trust as an accountability partner to, to, to share your struggle with and to, 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 to pray, ask them to pray for you and check in with you on a regular basis. Denying ourselves, Jesus calls us to do it because, because he knows it's the only way that we can take hold of the life that is truly life and it's the life he offers. As we conclude, I want to speak to those who may be watching today who have never surrendered to Jesus Christ. If you haven't committed your life to follow Jesus, he made the way for you to live in relationship eternally with your God and, or, or God, your creator, by his death and resurrection. And that eternal relationship can begin today by you choosing to say yes to Jesus and to repent of your sin. That just means to turn away from your old way of living and commit to follow him as, as the forgiver of your sin and the leader of your life. Re remember Jesus' question that we read at the beginning of this message? What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world but forfeit his soul, eternal soul? The world's got nothing that's worth your soul. No, no career, no amount of money, no friend, no, no multi-million dollar house. There's nothing worth trading your eternal soul for. And the only way my, your, our eternal souls rest in the presence of God for eternity is if we die to self in this life and let Jesus begin to li live his life through us. Are you willing? Are you willing to surrender to Jesus Christ today and become a follower of, of his? If, that's, if you're sensing that tug right now, I, I'm going to invite you to pray along with me. And I'll pray these words, not so much about the words, but the posture of your heart. And God will hear you and immediately, by your expressed faith in him, bring you in to his eternal family and into personal relationship with the God who created you and loves you so much. You can pray, Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for me. And I'm just beginning to understand that, God. But I see that by sending Jesus, your son, to take upon himself the penalty of sin, which was death, that Jesus, you took that upon yourself and I thank you, Jesus, for doing that so that I could go free, so that I would not come under that eternal judgment, but I could go free to live eternally with God, my creator. Thank you, Jesus, for your love for me in doing that. I commit myself to you. I surrender to you. I repent of my sin and my old way of living, and I want to learn as your disciple and walk in your steps as a follower of Jesus Christ in this life and into eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. If you express that to God, that is so incredible. And we want to share in the excitement of that. And we want to come alongside and help. And you can text the, the word Jesus to the number you see on the screen. And we'd love to just uh, provide some resources for you that, uh, that would be helpful for you. So again, I, I humbly ask you to connect in every week during this important One Kingdom Disciple series. And we're on a journey together of growing closer and closer to Jesus Christ. Have a great week.